Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1235 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. It's Friday which means Elliot Friedman does the show for the River Cree Resort and Casino. Just before we get to Elliot, I want to read a text. We just had former Oilers captain Jason Smith on the show uh, today on this date in 2006. Game one, Oilers up 3 nothing uh, during the course of the game against Carolina. Uh, Matt Green again in position on an outside hard uh, net drive by... Andrew Ladd and uh, overcompensating on the play was Mark Andre Bergeron, and they ended up uh, colliding. Did uh, Ladd and Bergeron into Dwayne Rollison, and it, it changed the complexion of the series. There's no question, but that's sport. That happens all the time. D has texted the show to say, "Bob, are these memories of 2006 due to the curse of Patrick Waugh?" Uh, since uh, And he's going back to 1995, so I'm going to assume he's referring to when Waugh told the Montreal Canadiens to go shove it. I don't think he necessarily used quite that terminology. Since then, no Canadian team uh, uh, was in the Stanley Cup Finals again until 2004. Calgary lost in 2004, a no goal for Martin Jelena. The Oilers lose in 2006 in part due to the injury uh, to Rollison. Ottawa's Cinderella performance in 2007 comes up just a little bit short. Vancouver blows a 3-2 lead in Game 7 in 2011. Uh, when will this ever end? Well, hopefully for Sportsnet soon, because it would really help Sportsnet, who made some big week uh, news of their own, by the way, today. And we'll get to NHL today a little bit later on. But we welcome back to the show Elliot Friedman. How you doing, Elliot? Hey, how you doing, Bob? Hi, it's Bob. Elliot, how you doing? I said, I, I said, possibly not. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good, it's good. Hey, uh, you guys went you and uh, me for a sec there. I was like, did, did I get his name wrong? No, no. Well, it, it, yeah. Uh, usually, it's referred to in less flattering terms, like, <laughs> "Hey, you," or uh, no. Sportsnet, NHL Hockey, and Rogers. You guys uh, made a pretty big acquisition today, didn't you? Yeah, CC. It's uh, it's it's great to have them in there. Um, uh, you know, I mean, he's a great broadcaster. I mean, at the end of the day, you just want to make your uh, your team better, right? So it's a great day for us. 
Yeah. Now, when you were on CFL work for CBC, doing a great job on that stuff, was he doing those games at that time? Or yes. He already... As a matter of fact, Bob, the first time I ever met you, I, I was I was I did a game at Commonwealth Stadium, and I'm not going to tell this story on the air. I'm I'm saving the story of the first time I ever met you for your retirement party, whenever that oh. is, oh, like wow. 50 years from now. Okay. But CC was the guy who introduced me to you. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll tell you a story that happened. Uh, what year was that? What year do you think that would have been? That would have that would have to be around like 2004, 2005, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because there was something that happened. When did you guys have the strike? Or not the strike that was a... the year. It was. It ended at the same time as the NHL lockout. Okay, so that would have been 0405, so it would have been yeah. 05. Okay. Yeah. I'll call you at 2 o'clock and tell you a little story about something that happened. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Oh, that's for, well, no, I, you'll appreciate it. You'll, okay. It'll be a thumbs but up. the story of Chris Cuthbert introducing me to you, when you retire 50 years from now, I am telling this story because it was hilarious. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Well, let's just say we all mature in time, Elliot. You know what I mean? Hey, hey, we all have things that we've done that we're like, what? Yes, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, that, we, we just had, anyways, uh, specific to this, you can do this sort of stuff all day. And this is the sort of thing that happens when you're sitting on, you know, day 79 of a, day 78 of a, a stoppage in play due to the coronavirus. And it is interesting. The numbers are starting certainly to drop in West, even the numbers in Ontario and Quebec are starting to, uh, to drop a bit. Um, and, and we'll hit on a couple of the things that you wrote in your, what do we call that, an abbreviated version of 31 Thoughts? They, so my, uh, one, my editor, a guy named Craig Battle, he's a great editor, he called it Three Thoughts. Like, if you looked at it, when he did 31 Thoughts, he crossed out the one. And so I guess this week we're calling it Three Thoughts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we? Okay, first of all, do we read anything into what the NHL did yesterday by kind of rolling out uh, Phase 2? No, I, I think they'd always planned on rolling out phase two around. Like, there were a bunch of teams who told me last week that they were hoping to do it at the end of this week, which they did. I think the biggest question is how many teams are actually going to do it? Like, like yesterday, I heard that Montreal wasn't going to do it, and I checked, and, and they said, you know, honestly, like, I think they've got, like, one player in the city. So they were told if they have a request to do it, they'll do it. Washington sent out a note last night that they haven't sent a date yet. Like, a lot of guys told me, don't be surprised if 90% of the players do not participate in Phase 2. So I think there's – I don't know how big this is going to be, really, uh, Bob. And I think the big one is going to be Phase 3, which is training camp and mandatory and won't happen until July 10th at the earliest. Yeah, there you go. So you're giving us a date. Uh, The fact that the NBA has moved out their plan, does that – sort of help maybe give us a bit of a timeline for the NHL? I think they're probably pretty similar. Um, you know, I, I think that the one thing I thought was interesting about the NBA's plan is that the players' union leader in uh, the NBA is a, is a woman by the name of Michelle Roberts, and she was not happy last night with Adam Silver's off-season calendar, like the one after um, the games are played. And that's it, And and because that was quick. Like, it was... Not a lot of time between the NBA title getting handed out and you know the uh, the next season beginning. So 
So I would not go by what their offseason looks like because it sounds like she's not very happy about it. But I do think we're looking at, um, you know, the NBA and the NHL beginning around the same time. The thing that also shocked me about basketball was eight regular season games. Like, yeah. we, don't have a, we don't know how much runway we have here. Uh, the NHL was really against that. They felt they didn't have a lot of time to waste. I'm surprised the NBA is doing that. All right. Uh, how much turnaround time was there in the NBA between the conclusion with this new proposed – well, it's not proposed. This is their plan – uh, it was something like, you know what, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like 40 days, Bob. Okay. And the well. NHL, and the, I know the NHL and the NHLPA have discussed 45 to 55 between the end of the, the Stanley Cup being awarded and the beginning of the next training camp. Yeah, okay. Well, I would push, I mean, if we got done October 15th, uh, that would push training camp. Forty-five days would be training camp December first. Well, and I, I think it's. I think you should be expecting next year the season to start late December, early January. And you know, one thing we've proven in the past: if you take a look at the forty-eight game seasons in two thousand thirteen and two thousand, what was it, uh, or, or nineteen ninety-five? Yeah. Um, you you can start late January and. Uh, the NHL is right now talking about a full 82 game next year. Yeah. I have a feeling they're modeling some lower ones, but you know they're not going to say that at this point in time. Right. So there you have it. Elliot Freeman joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Uh, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Well, you know what? Let's let's get to a couple of the topics that you had in your piece. We briefly brought this yesterday up with Brian Burke about uh, Bob Murray. And his comments yeah. about Dallas Aikens, I found that really interesting because some might suggest that uh, Aikens was given guidance to grind down on so, sort of the Oilers' young skill guys when he came aboard and took over from Ralph Krueger. Uh, yeah. Of course, Dallas ultimately was fired in Edmonton, uh, put more time in in San Diego in the AHL. A lot of those are actually his players that he knows, you know, uh, ready for that second opportunity. And coaches in Anaheim, and then the general manager says that he didn't think that uh, Dallas was was tough enough, basically, on his players. What did you think of all that? Well, I, you know, I don't overreact to it a lot. Like, the one thing about Bob Murray, if you've ever had him on your show, Bob, or talked to him, like, Bob is really blunt. Yep. Like, he doesn't have a huge filter, and if there's something on his mind, he'll just say it. And honestly, I think, you know, Bob doesn't do as many interviews as he's done in the past. Like, I used to try to talk to him, you know, once a month because I just liked listening to him. He doesn't talk very much anymore. And I think that's one of the reasons. <laughs> I think he just blurts out whatever's on his mind. So, like, I asked for the full transcript because I, I think you need to see everything in context. I will bet you this. He regrets bringing up Edmonton. I think if there's one thing he would change from that whole conversation, it would be bringing up the Oilers. I don't see that as Dallas Aikens is in trouble or he's unhappy with Dallas right. Aikens. I look at it as he's pissed off that they keep, that they had a bad year. He's mad that they aren't better, and he's just venting. That is Bob Murray. But if you look at his history with coaches, when he fired Randy Carlisle, there were calls for Carlisle's head both times much sooner than when he did it. There were calls for Bruce Boudreau much sooner than when he did it. And he's been very patient with his coaches a lot of the time. 
So I don't see him having like a, a hair trigger with, with Akins. I think he was answering the question honestly, and I don't see it meaning that Akins is in trouble. I just know him well enough to believe that. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it's probably something that was probably better said directly to Dallas. And I'm sure it has been. Like, he's not the kind of guy who's going to rip him in public or anything without saying it face-to-face with Dallas Akins. I just, I I would bet, and I I have this on reasonable authority, that if Bob could do that conversation again, he wouldn't mention the Edmonton thing because it's like a live wire, right? And the other thing, too, Bob, is now is that, you know, there's no news, right? So anytime there's any kind of news... It's it, news. It catches fire. Yeah, it's it's really big. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting. I, and just, you know, in terms of Bob Murray, we've never had him on the show. Uh, him and Joe Sackick are the only two Western Conference general managers. Well, like I said, hit. he doesn't talk very much anymore. Um, right. Which is a shame because he's pretty entertaining. Well, he brings, he's he's a pretty, and he's a polite, nice guy when you, you know, when you go into the Honda Center and see him there. Nice guy, recognizes that, oh, yeah, yeah, you're one of those Edmonton, you know, broadcaster guys. Like, he's totally polite and everything. So, all right, uh, switching focus, Sean Day. And I preface this by saying uh, Chris Knobloch had him this year in Hartford. And Chris told, mm-hmm. I talked to Chris at the end of the season. He said, look, Sean's a, Sean's a good guy. You know, he's a, he's a decent guy. But an interesting situation for a player that was once granted exceptional status. In Canada, yes. and, you know, it, and now he matured physically early, and he also had the opportunity to play for the U.S. or for Canada, and that may have played a factor, I think, in the decision that was made from Hockey Canada at that point. Take us through the rest of it with Sean Day. What what happened there with this player? Well, I think, like you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with Sean Day, Sean Day was the fourth player in um, in, in Canadian junior hockey to get the exceptional status. And the first three were John Tavares, Aaron Ekblad, and, and Connor McDavid. And those are obviously guys who made enormous impact right away. And then he got it. And his first year, he had, um, uh, he had a decent year. He had 16 points in 60 games. And his coach, uh, James Boyd, who's now the general manager in Ottawa, he told me, like, we were really happy with that guy. But because he didn't have the enormous impact that those other three players did, he started to get criticized, and he heard everything about it. And it really weighed on him. And, you know, there were a lot of things. Like, I don't know. I didn't know him. I hadn't spoken to him. I really appreciated that, you know, he, re- he agreed to be interviewed. And I learned a lot about this guy. Number one, I think that the pressure of that situation, it crushed him. There's no doubt about that. Number two, as he freely admitted, like, he's a bit of a goofball. He's a pretty funny guy. You can tell that in the interview. But he's also a guy who didn't take conditioning serious. Like you, like for example, like you guys know McDavid and and I know Tavares really pretty reasonably well. Like those guys are all about how do I get better every day? Right. How do I grind to get better every day? He wasn't like that at that age. Um, he was. He was. He, he didn't take it seriously, and you can't get away with that. He was, a, and he has also admitted that. He's not a guy you can yell at as a coach. You have to sort of, and as, as one of his coaches, Riley Armstrong, Colby's brother, had him this year in the ECHL, said, if he doesn't trust you, he shuts down. He won't play for you. You have to get him to trust you. And so, like, I think there's a lot there. Now, 
he admitted he also talked to me and Damien Cox had written a story a couple of years ago. Sean's older brother, uh, who he said was his idol growing up, he went to jail. He was in a uh, drunk driving accident. He was the driver and a woman died and he went to jail for a few years. And that was when he was 16, 17 years old. Plus, he, he told us this time, that, and we didn't know that, his mother was very ill with lupus and celiac disease. She was in the hospital. And he said, like, I couldn't handle that back then. He says, actually, I think I handled it really well. But, you know, I still was struggling. I was a 17-year-old away from home. I think the kid has grown up. He said, look, I was immature, but I was 17. He said, look, I'm 22 years old. I'm a different person now. And last year, he came back a month early from big-time hip surgery, and he really put in the work. He, he eats better. His diet's better. He's learning. I mean, he's still an unbelievable skater and a really talented guy who's learning to play D. I, you know, the whole thing with the Rangers is, number one, they got a lot of young D. Yeah. Number two, they had young goalies in Hartford last year, so they beefed up there. D, and there wasn't a lot of room for him, especially when he came back early. So he just asked them, could I be released? And the rain, and they tried to trade him last year. It's similar to Pugliarvi in the sense that you're trading him based on his potential, but the other teams say, well, we haven't seen that potential yet. So ultimately now the Rangers agreed to release him from his last year, and he's an unrestricted free agent. And I don't know if he'll be an NHL player, Bob, but I think that he's a 22-year-old kid with a lot of skill who's determined to try again, and someone's going to take a chance on him. Like, you guys have a lot of D. I, I don't see Edmonton being a fit for him, but I think there are teams out there looking for D that will look at him. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm expecting, you know, if we have an AHL season next year, I think we will. they got to have fans to have it. Uh, you know, the Oilers would have William Lagason. Uh you know, he would be down there for sure. I'm just looking on the left side alone. Um, you know, they, they'd be Lagason, uh, Samarukov, who's considered a pretty good prospect for this organization. They signed a Swedish guy named Lenstrom, and they just brought Marcus Niemelainen back from Finland. That's four left-handed shots that are uh, slated to play. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Wherever Sean Day goes, he's going to need to start in the AHL and work his way up, but he needs a legitimate chance in the AHL, not being an AHL, ECHL tweener. What do you got planned this weekend, Elliot? Well, uh, the weather is supposed to be nice here. The the zoo is drive through, so um, my wife bought tickets for us to drive through the zoo here on the weekend. Other than that, I probably won't do much of anything. Probably like normal, Bob. You? Uh, well, no, I'm going to continue to grind away uh, nonstop. You know that. <laughs> yes, of course, I understand that. And by the way, one thing I think we could see for the AHL next year is if they can't play games. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they play, like, tournaments. Like, those California teams get together. Oh. They practice for a little bit. And uh, then maybe they have, like, a couple weekend tournaments here and there. Okay. Interesting stuff. Elliot, we I always... I know that's one of the things that's been discussed. Well, you know what? We haven't had Scott on for about a month, Scott Housen. Uh, we'll have to talk to him here shortly and see. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting situation. I mean, we just had Jason Smith on, as you know. He's up in Prince mm-hmm. George working with Mark Lamb. The numbers are really good in Western Canada for the WHL, but we have no idea, you know, when we're going to be. And they have to have fans, too. That's not, Hey, the NHL has to have fans, too, Elliot. It's it's a given. So. Oh, no question about it. Hey, uh, always appreciate your time. Have a terrific weekend. Say hi to Max for me, okay? Uh, all right, Bob. You have a great weekend, too. 
You bet. That is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 12.54 in Edmonton. Elliot Friedman is our headliner today for Touchback Safety, a family business taking care of you and your family during uncertain times. Training sessions still readily available at Touchback Safety. And during the season and all season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, they want you to stay safe and stay positive. Coming up in the next half hour block, we're going to get some thoughts from you. We're going to go on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Give us your biggest what-ifs in Oilers history. One of them, for me, happened on this date in 2006, and that was a game that Dwayne Rolison got hurt in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. I'm pretty confident knowing that the Edmonton Oilers were able to extend that series seven games against Carolina that uh, you know if Rowley doesn't get hurt I think Edmonton wins the series in six give me your thoughts you can text us at 780-496-0063 another one might be what would have happened if the Edmonton Oilers Peter Pocklington had more money and didn't have to trade Wayne let's rephrase that sell Wayne Gretzky and sell Mark Messier so give me some thoughts on uh, what-ifs in Oilers history. 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll also get to NHL today and jump back into the Oilers Now audio vault. Uh, hear comments from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's on Reed Wilkins' show, and a couple more from uh, Brian Burke as well. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad.